It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. Yet another Warriors win. They beat the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas, 112-87. to And I think the big story of this game was a real parallel to what we saw in Oklahoma City, which was that the, you know, it was a little bit shaky of a first quarter. And some of that was Dallas doing a nice job of making shots. You know, they, they, they converted, I think it was like six of 10 threes in that first quarter. Actually, it was six of 11. And the Warriors came, so they came into that with a small deficit in the, in the stretch of about six minutes where Stephen Curry was going to be out. And yet again, they did, they did pretty cleanly during that time. They, you know, built a small lead and then just absolutely blew the doors off the Mavericks at at the beginning of Curry's stretch and then really throughout that second quarter. And what the Warriors have been doing during these games is really just kind of if they can hold the fort and get a push. It used to be at the beginning of the third quarter, but the late second is largely the same group. So it's not that surprising that they're doing it there. And it's really dispiriting for opponents especially lower level opponents and Dallas has kind of bounced between that they've had a couple of couple of solid wins recently but they've also had some real tough losses I believe they lost to Brooklyn recently and the Warriors can find those dispiriting stretches it's very rarely at the beginning of the game happened I think against the Clippers a couple times and a few other ones but generally speaking it's been more in that second third quarter range and use that run to build a lead that allowed them to again have a lot of fourth quarter garbage time though to my dismay Clay Thompson played a little bit more of it than I wanted not that big a deal but the Warriors were able to do it in a day and in a game that had all the real telltale signs of being a letdown game they were on the tail end of a back-to-back it were it was another road game they were also going to be missing Andre Guadala because of his strained left hip which I haven't heard anything definitively on a timetable, whether it was a one-game thing, whether we'll be back for Sacramento. I haven't heard anything yet. So if I do, that will be a part of a future podcast. But had all those things together, the Oklahoma City game, while it wasn't competitive, it was emotional. And, you know, there this has been a team that at moments has waxed and waned in games like that. Probably one of the things that really did help them was the idea of just how many crossover pieces or carryover pieces there are in this series. So not only Zaza Pachulia, JaVale McGee playing for the Dallas Mavericks in their past, but also Harrison Barnes and Seth Curry playing for the Warriors. And of course, his connection with Steph made it a little bit more intense. Draymond 
seems to always relish the games playing against Barnes and did a beautiful job on him defensively. Harrison ended up the game two for 10 from the field. And I honestly think that both of his makes were not on Draymond. I could be wrong on that. I didn't go back and watch the video, but Green was phenomenal defensively in this game. He has to really strike a double, particularly on this team, because of the change from Bogut and Azili to Pachulia, McGee, and David West. He has to do more of the combination man-to-man and help defense. And particularly in that first quarter, I noticed how he was really being able to he was really able to strike that balance, which was incredibly impressive. Because they're very different things. You have to be sometimes in different places on the floor. And he was dis- discouraging Mavericks drivers. He had a really nice contest on Wes Matthews early on. And there were two plays where Dallas early on could have scored inside the arc and, and missed. And that led to Dallas only having, I think it was like nine to nine at that point. And it could have easily been 13, nine or worse, but green was in the middle of that. And for my piece for the athletic, I wanted to look into it because I had an instinct that it was going to be right was that the Warriors now after this game are actually leading the NBA in defensive ratings, that's opponent points per 100 possessions, after the All-Star break. And if you remember how much they struggled in those early days after Durant's injury, it is pretty remarkable that they have already gotten to that point. And Draymond Green, personally, is second in the league among players who get a meaningful share of minutes in defensive rating during that same time period behind only PJ Tucker, who has been absolutely killing it for the Toronto Raptors. And Tucker doesn't have the same type of role that Green does. So really, really impressive from him considering the quality of opponents. They've dealt with that and also just the turnover. I mean, they've largely replaced Kevin Durant in the rotation with a rookie and somebody who hadn't been on the team before. And while Matt Barnes and Patrick McCaw played very well in this game, I think this was the best combined performance they've had since Durant got injured. They're not Kevin Durant. And Durant, again, waxed and waned a little bit with his defensive effort, but did a nice job of affecting the game as a help defender and just kind of being around throughout. And Iguodala is typically the team's second best defender, periodically third if Durant is in his best mold defensively. And Iguodala was out in this game too. So really a lot of it did fall on green. He did a wonderful job. And early on, the Warriors had a little bit of struggling defensively, but that was just because Dallas was making up at shots. They were getting a few more offensive rebounds than you'd want, but that's really a team effort thing. And something that Dallas deserves a lot of credit for is something the Warriors actually do very well, which was they were doing a lot of back tapping. And so what back tapping is, is it's where a player is on the offensive glass. Typically you can do it defensively too. A player either can't or doesn't feel comfortable grabbing the rebound himself. So he hits the ball to an area where he is confident that his teammates will be. It is in many ways more, it's, it can be impressive either way. You know, like you can use it defensively. Sometimes defensively creates a little bit of risk though, because you might be knocking it out to like the three point line. And just if a player, if one of your teammates isn't in the right place, the other team can get an open three. That's part of the reason it's better on offense, especially if you only have, you know, a couple of guys that are there, but The great part about it is that it's understanding the limitations that you have in terms of the positioning. And so that that ties in with something that has been, you know, a stick that I I wield fairly frequently, which is that a lot of times guys put themselves, make bad decisions after they grab an offensive rebound. And with a back top, it's a lot less likely to do that because you're not in a bad spot. Hopefully you're getting it to somebody else who has a, a more open look, either if it's an offensive one at a shot yourself, or if it's a defensive one trying to get the ball out in transition. So the Mavericks early on did a great job of that and the Warriors 
just gave up some tough second shots. Their first shot defense wasn't that bad in the early part of the game, but they were giving up those second chance points. But even with that rough stretch early, the the margin ended up being 12 to 8 in second chance points. So it's not like it was this devastating, catastrophic situation for the Mavericks or for the Warriors against the Mavericks and you know them them doing that gave him a little bit of a margin and actually in some ways you could argue that considering how it started 12 second chance points on 13 offensive rebounds is actually pretty good second chance defense quote unquote some of that is good fortune of guys missing shots they shouldn't and some of it is just you know playing really good defense which the Warriors did at those moments and I'll get into some insights on more specific players in a second, but I want to take a minute to tell you about our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is one of the earliest sponsors we ever had for Locked On Warriors, and I've personally been using it for years before they were an advertiser, everything like that, because it is a great place to buy and sell tickets. For this purpose, they like focusing more on buying tickets, but it's great to sell too, so I'll mention that. And the reason why is because they aggregate a bunch of different ticket sites and so you can just look in one place and you don't have to worry about searching around a bunch of sites and also they give you a deal score and deal score what it's trying to do is combine both seat quality and seat price and then you can evaluate within those options that they think are the best scores for what's right for you so the idea with both things is to save you money to save you time and if you want to check it out you can download the SeatGeek app s-e-a-t-g-e-e-k and then use the promo code LO Warriors for Locked On Warriors, and you get twenty dollars off your first purchase. So you just go to the settings tab, enter the promo code after you've downloaded their free app, and then you enter the promo code LO Warriors, buy something, whatever you want, sports, concerts, theater, whatever, and they'll just give you twenty bucks. It's a pretty awesome way to do it, and it tells them that you came from us, which I really appreciate, and it helps keep the show going, helps keep them advertising on us. So again, SeatGeek LO Warriors. Back to the show. In terms of overall performances like it was interesting because both clay and steph shot the ball very well clay was 9 of 15 from the field 5 of 8 from 3 steph was 7 of 14 3 of 9 from 3 forced a few things a little bit later in the game but still looked good doing it so i wouldn't say this is anything like oh steph is back but clay you know he's had a pretty monstrous stretch after struggling at that little point and something i wrote about a little bit for the athletic and I ruminated a little bit on this, I think on Twitter, if not, I thought about it and didn't, of how when Durant went out, I, in my head, was trying to apportion blame, apportion explanation for their struggles, for that, you know, that five games out of seven that they lost. And you could look at fatigue, you could look at the adjustment without Durant, the weird schedule, basically playing eight road games in a row because they had that home game, but they barely even got to stay in their own beds. So you had all that stuff running together, and also at the same time, Steph and Clay were both struggling shooting. And so I legitimately wasn't sure, you know, what of that can can be separated out, and also what of that will persist. And what we've seen is that even without Durant, once they got adjusted, once they had a more reasonable schedule, they're still still a very good team. I, I don't think they're elite, you know, at this point. They're beating the stuffing out of some solid teams. The Mavericks are solid. They're fading out of the playoff picture. The Bucks got another nice win tonight in Portland, which makes the Warriors win over them, which was pretty dominant, look even better. And then Oklahoma City, you know, as those of you listen to the podcast I did with Fred Katz, you know, I kind of feel like that is a positive anomaly, but sort of an anomaly in that way because the Warriors just know how to handle them. So what they've become is, 
I would say, in my, in my honest opinion, a better team than I expected them to be without Durant. And a big part of that is Matt Barnes and Patrick McCaw doing a really nice job. And th- with what they're asked to do, it basically is playing within themselves and playing within the system. Take open shots when they come, fight hard on defense, and make the right pass. And while Barnes makes a few ill-advised passes still, he, he loves kind of trying to be the home run hitter as a passer, and he's not as good at it unless the guy is really open as I guess he thinks he is. But other than that, they've done such a better job of working within that. McCaw's gotten more comfortable with the shot. He's four of seven from the field overall. I think he did a nice job, even in the competitive portions of the game, of taking it when it was there, not taking it when it wasn't. Unlike Stephen Curry when he passed on that layup, which was still weird. Um, That is exactly what you want from them. And it's also encouraging for the coaching staff because when a player is towards the fringe of the bench, which both of these guys will be once the playoffs start, assuming Durant comes back and can play, you run into a real challenge because a lot of the times those players that are on the fringes of it come in in strangely high leverage situations because normally you'll have this normal rotation, but somebody, and this can be a variety of people, become break glass in case of emergency guys. That emergency could be an injury, like it was with Stephen Curry last year, and then that not only created more playing time that different guys need to fill, including Sean Livingston, but it also created different roles, like what Clay Thompson did. McCaw and Barnes were gigantic question marks in terms of whether they could fill that break glass in case of emergency, and small forward was a really big depth issue with this. I mean, the Warriors really only had two small forwards that they trusted on the roster, Durant and Iguodala, and in this game, they were able to beat a capable opponent on the road with neither of them, with Durant out, with Iguodala out, and that bodes really well for the idea of the break glass in case of emergency because if Durant gets in foul trouble, Durant gets hurt, same thing with Iguodala, these guys can slide into a higher leverage spot with unusual talent, might actually be with the starters because if they want to keep if it's Durant, they might want to keep Iguodala's role pretty stable. And they can do it. They did both did a very nice job. And that is a major, major takeaway from this stretch without Durant is just the level of comfort there. And I was also very encouraged by JaVale McGee rebounding after a legitimately rough first stint out there. Played a lot against Nerlens Noel, who just beat up on him. Nerlens looked fantastic in that first quarter. And JaVale in his third quarter stint looked better. He was more active. He was was playing offense in a way that, you know, would force them to be conscious of him, couldn't leave him in a pick and roll. And defensively, he, he fought a little bit better. He got a little bit more judicious about his contests and being in the right place at the right time. And he's never going to be at that level of kind of comfort for the coaching staff that McCaw and Barnes hope to get to, because that's just not the type of player that JaVale McGee is. But being capable of doing something positive and minimizing the things that are negative when you are called upon is an easy way to have coaches feel a little bit better about it. Even if they're never going to be comfortable, even if they're going to be squirming in their chair a little bit, that is a meaningful piece of progress. And I wonder if that over time, you know, over the next three weeks, if McGee can do that more consistently, can more firmly get him ahead of James Michael McAdoo in the rotation. McAdoo, again, only really played in garbage time of this game. It was super, super weird that Rick Carlisle, despite the game being long over, decided to go to what I'm calling Hackadoo and also running some press. And, you know, maybe he was just doing that to give those guys reps. I legitimately don't know. But McAdoo ended up making 
seven of his eight free throws. He improved his season-long free throw shooting percentage from, I think it was like 30.8, I tweeted this out, 30.8 to 43 or 44. It'll also be in the every player for the athletic. That's ridiculous for a single game, 70 games into the NBA season, actually 71 for the Warriors. And I'm fascinated by that concept and also impressed that McAdoo was able to, to handle it and that Kerr kept him in there. Didn't do what, even though it was, you know, garbage time and wasn't like you really needed to pull him to win the game. It was nice that Kerr kept him in there and that he battled and made seven of eight free throws. So you had all those things running together in a positive way. I also thought Ian Clark played very well. He is getting more and more comfortable with the role that they have found for him. And it might not be what they want in the postseason because everything gets different when you start ratcheting up the minutes for Curry, Green, Thompson, and presumably Durant. It starts garbling up a lot of the other combinations, but Clark's ability to be a solid player in those stretches was nice. I still don't love the defensive combination of him with Curry, which the coaching staff went to, I think that was late in the first. Still don't love that together, even against two small guards. There were some really bad pick and rolls there, including some with Clark and I think it was Clark and JaVale that were just, just rough pick and roll defense. But overall, I thought he did a very nice job. And it was also kind of, I guess you could call it a statement of progress that, you know, the Clark played so much. He played 1647 in the first three quarters of this game. And Clark getting that sort of faith, getting that sort of comfort. Yeah, it was against the team that has small guards and everything like that, but it's a step. And part of this season, I've talked about this a few times, but I wanted to frame it early on in the year. I wrote a piece for The Athletic and did a podcast on the idea of if you took out the the basically the top six guys, so the four all-stars and then Sean Livingston and Iguodala, the Warriors needed about 40 minutes average. So it'll be more in the early rounds, less in the later rounds from everyone else. So Pachulia, David West, JaVale McGee, McCaw, everyone else. And what this stretch, especially since Durant got hurt, but you could say longer than that if you wanted, has shown is that a lot of those players are more capable of handling a portion of those minutes than maybe we expected. And that is an extremely welcome thing. The the Warriors are kind of a weird team in terms of depth because you look at like the Spurs can win games with their backups and things like that. I don't think the Warriors are ever really going to be in that place. But that's not how the playoffs work anyway. You have to fit those guys in with your starters. You're going to be playing your best players a lot. And that's where functional depth kicks in. And so that 40 minutes is a lot more stable and probably provides a lot more value now than I would say any of us really expected at the beginning of the season. And I don't know exactly how it's going to shake out, whether they want to go to lineups that use more of those guys to give a shorter stagger, so more minutes to some combination of Curry, Durant, Thompson, and Green together, or if they want to split it in some different way. But they certainly should have more faith that Clark, that David West, that McCaw, that Barnes, a new addition, of course, can handle that. And, you know, especially with the addition of Ermy Caspi to the Minnesota Timberwolves, strange decision. I don't need to go into that. I advocated for the Warriors to sign him. They did not. He is now not playoff eligible, even if Minnesota, for whatever reason, decided to cut him. But Barnes looks like he'll be a part of this team for the remainder of the season. And if he plays like he did in this one, even though he did have three turnovers and made, made a few mistakes that are correctable, 
he can be an asset for them, especially in a limited role. And it looks like he brings some personality as well. There, I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I'm sure there are mixed feelings on his foul, which was called a flagrant foul on Alex Abrinas. But I, th- I thought it wasn't too egregious a play or anything like that. And he can bring a little bit of an edge. Seems like the team really likes him. So that is working out well too. And I don't know exactly how he fits into those 40 minutes, but it certainly appears that he could get some of them. And anytime you can do that with a minimum contract of a guy that is signed, you know, as a basically as a buyout guy, it is an absolute success of a season from a buyout perspective. And you're not usually going to get a Darren Williams or Joe Johnson like Miami did last year, but Barnes has done well. And that's an impressive accomplishment for the coaching staff, for Barnes himself, most importantly, and also for Bob Myers and the, and the front office. So a lot of positives from this game. I would say the biggest thing for me was Draymond was excellent defensively. Steph and Clay hitting their shots, Barnes and McCaw fitting their roles, and then everyone else, you know, having a pretty good day. Sean Livingston was on the floor for some of the Warriors' best stretches, including that second quarter stint. They actually used him differently in this game, I think partially because of the unusual guard combinations that Carlisle and the Mavericks use. And he played reasonably well, and I, I thought he did a nice job. And so you had all those guys working together and an exceedingly comfortable win against a capable team. And at this point in the year, Warriors are 57-14. and 14. They have a two-game lead on the Spurs, but have to maintain at least a one-game lead to actually get the number one seed. That's all you really need. And the Warriors are going to have bigger challenges coming up in the future. They play the Houston Rockets on the road and then face the Spurs the next night on the road. Very possible that we'll see some some rest in there somewhere. Or maybe you kind of save up for those two games and ride them a little bit less in the, the ones before that, Sacramento and Memphis. You can do it a lot of different ways. You also have to listen to players. And then, of course, then right after that, they come home and face the Rockets again. And that stretch will really define the one seed race. But as Warriors fans and as Spurs fans can attest to after the Spurs nearly lost today at home to the Minnesota Timberwolves, though they did end up pulling it out, you can get challenged anywhere. And all of those games matter. So it'll be fascinating to really see how that works out to see who actually, sorry, I should correct myself. The game, this game was the one that the Spurs won in Minnesota. It was last week where San Antonio come, came back at home against the Wolves. Two different games, but same basic result. So we'll see where the season goes. And really those that week will define a lot of this. And I've said before that I think the difference between the one and the two are very different this year than most, but it's still, you know, it still matters psychologically. And I certainly can understand the people who believe that home court advantage in a game seven in a potential Western Conference finals against the Spurs trumps the playoff difference between the one and the two in terms of second round opponent and first round opponent. So I can totally see that. And we'll have to see where it goes from here. So that's enough for now. I will have new podcasts out the next couple days. I, I might skip one just because of the, the Friday game, which I'll, I'll definitely do something probably short on that game. And then, you know, definitely something on Sunday's game against Memphis. So all that will run together. But, you know, I'll figure out something to do for at least one of them, probably both. And if you want to support the show, lots of great ways you can do it. You can subscribe. You can download every episode. 
You can leave a rating, leave a review, and also you can check out SeatGeek, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. Download the app, use the promo code L-O-Warriors, and you can get $20 as a rebate on your first purchase. So you buy something and they'll just give you 20 bucks. Pretty awesome. And you can also leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player if you're choosing. It's great if it's iTunes because iTunes still matters a lot to advertisers, but if it's something else, I appreciate it there too. Word of mouth is also always great. So appreciate all that. And as always, I get a lot of feedback and a lot of input through NBA at gmail.com. I appreciate that greatly. I will try to incorporate some of that into material in the near future. I might end up doing a mailbag. I haven't done one of those in a while. I might do a mailbag one of these two days. So that's another option I will consider. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.